the volume. Hey guys, it's the sessions presented by FanDuel. It might be cold, but the sports calendar is heating up, baby, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and so, so easy to use. FanDuel always has exclusive offers, boosts, and more. And when you win, you're gonna get paid real fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like with the spread, money line, over, under, team totals, player props, and so much more. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And you can combine multiple bets from the same game in a same game parlay to try out the same game parlay plus. Get in on that. And... FanDuel is now live in Maryland, y'all. So use the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on this show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to, to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, so it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. So we've been able to connect essentially because it kind of took over at least a wrestling Twitter space recently that you were acknowledging my husband, John Moxley, you know, he took his time off to, uh, to go to rehab, to deal with alcohol abuse. Um, you gave some credit to that, which I thought was so, so cool for you to take the time and do that. So, uh, so much appreciated. It's always nice to, uh, to get the love like that from somebody like you. I had that in my family. I had a younger brother who passed away like at 40. So I'm very sensitive to any type of addiction because I know how it pulls at the family. Uh, my brother, Daryl, he's been gone a while now, but, you know, he tried and tried. He actually got his life together at the end, but he had did so much damage to his body. His heart just gave out. But when I was reading the story, and I, like, you don't have any idea about my past. One of my, I've been in a rest, 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 I call it wrestling. Wrestling. I've been in a rest. Yeah. <laughs> so one of my best friends uh, is Rick Flair. I've known the rock since he was in college. I've been to a gazillion matches, even going back to Birmingham, Alabama, where I grew up in a small town going down to Botwell auditorium. I'm, I'm talking, I'm going four horsemen, junkyard dog. 
So I've been in the business a long time. And, uh, and obviously, actually, we did a promo last year with uh, Chris Jericho since we got back in the business. And so I paid close attention to it. So I, I want to acknowledge your husband. People have to realize that they're never by themselves. You need people who like, hey, man, or, hey, young lady, you ain't by yourself, especially when you're in the limelight. Because I tell you what, one thing about the limelight, it sucks a lot of the time because, man, there's some really mean people out there. There's some people out there who are just, I see, I don't do any social media. I know. And you're so smart for it. I want, I have a bunch of questions about that because I think, I wish that I could do that. Number one, I like to gamble. I like to drink. And if somebody said something to me when I was in either I was losing money or drunk, I'm going to go at them pretty hard because I'm not one of those guys who's going to turn the other cheek. If you do something to me and turn the other cheek, I'm going to punch you in the other (laughs) cheek, too. I'm not one of those guys who's going to be like, you know what? I forgive you. I forgive you. No, I don't forgive you. You started this. Now you're going to see the ramification. It is really hard because like I'm on social media. I do feel the need and sort of the pressure to be on social media for my job to help promote blah, 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 whatever. Social media essentially is a currency when I don't get to be somebody like Charles Barkley. I still have to use it all the time. But my husband's like you where he doesn't use it at all. And he's so much better offered. He's like, it's basically like as if you've given a bunch of random people your phone number and now they have this access to you to just tell you these horrible things. What bothers me about it is the fact that just because your life sucks, you don't have to go after other people. My thing is, if you're successful, I've never said to myself, hey, you know what? Things are going good. I'm working hard. But let me go on the internet and comment on somebody else's life. But like, nah, man, if you're busy and you're successful, you're doing your own thing. I've never felt the need like, hey, let me drop what I'm doing right now and take a shot at somebody. Uh, you know, it's like, that, and that's what it is. It has become. It's crazy and it's exhausting. I think that sometimes too, like, this is like sort of an aside, but I had just hired this contractor to come in and paint our house. He did a terrible job, was like <laughs> late. He left early. I'm like, I'm going to write this guy such a bad review. I can't believe how bad this was. And like, I still never did because like, I don't have time to. I don't have time to and I don't care enough to. So when there's people that actually do have the time to just like go on and spew like hateful things at people, how do you like, yeah, go outside and touch the grass, call your mom, call your dad, reach out, like get a life. They don't have a life. That's why they're such losers. <laughs> yes. But you know what? Let me sit around and look at the Internet. And let me just harass somebody, first of all, who's probably successful. When you're successful, you have to accept the fact that, man, a lot of people, because their life sucks, they're going to take shots at you. And it took me a while to learn, like, oh, I can't make everybody happy. And I'm talking, I'm going back to like 1986, 87, when I first started becoming a star. I was like, oh, okay. They just dislike you because their life sucked. They ain't never met you. They know that you're good at your job. But they, I guess they feel in power. Like, let me write something down. I says, hey, guys, never going to do the Internet. No, no Twitter, no Instagram, no Facebook. Did it ever bother you during your career if, say, a journalist or somebody, you know, wrote something out in print or somebody said something on television? Would that stuff get to you a bit? The first thing I ask myself when a guy write an article about me, you have to look at me and say, wait. Well, I did play bad, so I really can't 
go at the dude. So that's the first Salt thing. in the wounds at that point, though, right? Yeah, that's what I tell every guy. Because, you know, I talk to guys all the time. I said, the first thing you ask yourself, is it true? And you can't get mad if a guy like, you did play like shit last night. What do you want me to get on TV and say you played great? Everybody just saw you. Players and coaches call me all the time, which is fine. I'll And I'll explain why I said it. And they're like, okay. I said, I'm curious, though. Why you never call me when I say positive stuff about you? Because that's like, Renee, that's like my personal favorite. I can say nine great things about a guy. He only calls me on the one bad thing I said about it. And that's probably the only time I get really pissed. I'm like, yo, man, I've said nine great things about you. And you called me and questioned me on the one thing that was legitimate. But like I say, the first thing you ask yourself is a criticism fair. And I don't even mind criticism. The one thing I will never stand for, if a guy write a story about me that's not true, I'm going to definitely call him out on that. I always have this saying, I haven't done half the shit they said I did. Some of it, I, I'll raise my hand. I've done some crazy stuff. But like sometimes, like, yo, man, that did not happen. That's not true. Because that's the one thing about our business. Everybody has an opinion about you when you're in the limelight. That goes from y'all business, that goes to my business, the NFL. Everybody has an opinion about you. And that's just how it is. I don't take it personally. Did you ever have a hard time when you were breaking into the broadcast side of things? I mean, I know you've been doing it for so long now and one of the absolute best to do sports broadcasting. Did you have any issues when you were first doing it, though, of being critical of players that you knew? Were you like hesitant of like, oh, I know I've been in their shoes before or like 100 percent because I, I don't go to work saying a guy's going to suck on television because I consider them part of my family. I want them to do well. I want them to play great basketball. I want everybody to be safe and healthy. But listen, I still have to do my job. I always tell people, dude, that's the way this thing works. If you play great, I'm going to talk bad about you. If you play bad, I'm going to talk bad about you. I mean, it's good and bad. There's no in-between. And it's nothing personally either way. I said, but that's the way this sports thing works. Whether it's a newspaper guy, a television guy. If you play great, everybody's going to talk great about you. But if you play bad, they're going to talk bad about you. We're not doctors. We're not lawyers. We're not college professors. It's a very simple thing. If you play good, we're going to talk good about you. If you don't, we're going to talk bad. It's that simple. We've had guys say, listen, we're on national television tonight. We're on TNT. I'm not giving Charles or Shaq or Kenny a chance to say anything bad about me. Guys have said that in the interviews. It's like, yeah, I want to play well tonight because I know those guys in the studio are going to be killing me. Well, it's good. You got to set the bar, set the precedent, let people know that that's what they get. Should they shit the bed during a game, then you will bring it up on the broadcast. I had a friend of mine. We we're playing golf this summer. Really great friend of mine named John Spagnola. And we're th- he played pro football for a long time. He had just gotten a couple new body parts. And I said, would you change anything? He says, hell no. When you play football, that's the deal you make. But it's kind of like being in the limelight. This is the deal you make with the devil. And it's just, uh, as I always say, it beats working for a living. I always said that. I do. Amen. I said, hey, I do. I said, yo, man, them nine to fives where you work like 50, 60 hours a week and bless you for doing it, but you make some money. Like, now nah, I would never want to do that. I'd rather have people talking bad about me and make a lot of money. Um, so you have said that you plan on retiring by 60. What's the plan? What are you going to do? Well, you know, Renee, I've been in this thing 
I'll be 59 years old in a couple of weeks. And I'm smart enough to know that I'm on the backside of life. And I don't feel like working to the day I drop dead. I've been doing this for 21 years, but I don't feel the need to work to the day I die. I'm going to be a grandpa in two months, which is officially means you're old. When you start going by the grandpa moniker, you are officially getting old. So I'm excited for this grandpa thing. But I think I say, like I say, I'm basically 60 years old. I'm on the back nine. I play a golf every day. So I'm like, yeah, I'm on the back nine somewhere. And I just want to enjoy the rest of my life. You know, I've been working for a long time. But like I say, I don't want to drop dead while I'm still working. I want to travel the world. I, I got this game. We're talking about it. I'm going to put a bunch of countries in a bowl. And then like one week a month, I'm just going to pick a country and go. Oh, that's so exciting. I love that. It's so nice to think of like what that's going to look like. It's not like you're just going to retire and sit around and get bored. I'm sure you're going to be staying very, very busy. You only get bored when you got stuff to do. When you can just do make it up as you go, you never get bored. So with TNT, with Turner, um, you guys have wrestling back there, which is amazing. You said that you've watched it, that you're a fan of that. You guys also just got hockey, which is amazing. Have you got to talk much to Gretzky? Well, I've talked to Gretzky quite a bit. First of all, I want to make it clear. Wayne is his own man. But when we got hockey, my boss said he made, I was the first phone call he made. And I said, what you need, boss? He says, I need you to talk Wayne Gretzky into doing hockey. Because Wayne's been one of my best friends. He's a, he's a great friend. And uh, I says, does Wayne want to do television? He's like, well, I don't know. I says, all right, I'll make the phone call. And I made the phone call. Yo, man, I need to talk to you about something serious. We just paid $1.5 billion to do hockey. We need you to do hockey. He's like, I've never done television before. And I'm not looking for a job. Like I say, let me rephrase this. I got to kiss my boss's ass and get you to take this job. And uh, I did. He took the job. And another one of my good friends is Rick Tockett, they, who was one of my neighbors in Arizona, because they both were neighbors at one point. And he's on the show. So my good friends have really come through for me. And they tell me they're doing a fantastic job. I feel like TNT, you guys do such a good job over there of taking sports and taking sports figures and letting you guys just be you and let that be fun. I think that Paul Bissonette is a huge. Um, he's great. He's so good there. Oh, my God. I was so happy that they hired him. I feel like he's that little bit of spice that they need to keep things nice and loose and fun. And there's nothing more fun than just watching people that know the sport, enjoy the sport, and just get to talk about it as the pros. You know what TNT has really done, Renee? You have to understand something. Okay, so my normal night, we're on from 7 to 2 in the morning. When you do basketball or hockey, it's it's a long-ass night. And I think one of the reasons our show has been so successful is Nobody want to talk about basketball from seven o'clock to two in the morning. We try to make it as much fun as possible because, we, you know, you go, you got regular basketball fans, but we're trying to get people like yourself, more women involved, older people. So TNT has given us, and like I say, this is my 21st year. When I first got here, like, man, we got to have more fun. I mean, because people are not going to watch from seven to two in the morning. If all we're doing is, hey, this is how you play the pick and roll. Because we could actually X and O them to death, but nobody wants to sit there and listen to that from seven to two in the morning. Now I want to hear you guys talking about churros. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, and 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 so you got to give our staff a lot of credit. Like, no, you guys have fun. When we need to be serious, we'll talk about basketball. 
if there's some issues come up, we'll talk about that. But the main thing is y'all make sure people enjoy watching basketball. And we have done a really good job at that. What is it about you and Shaq that just makes your chemistry so charming and magical between the two of you? Can you put your finger on it? <laughs> you know, first of all, he's awesome. And he's got thin skin. <laughs> and, and, and I'm old school. And old school, if you know something bothers somebody, you got to keep poking the bear. And he gets so mad at me sometimes because, you know, I'm going to keep poking the bear because that's the best thing about sports. Being in a locker room, on the bus trips, on the plane trips. I feel like you guys have recreated that in a studio atmosphere. We've heard that before, and that's pretty much true. I totally agree with that. Like I say, when you're on a four-hour, five-hour plane trip, when you're going east to west, if you're not having fun, like when I played for the six, we bus to New York, D.C., and New Jersey. So you're on the bus for two hours. It's kind of quiet before the game to a certain degree. But after the game, if you win, it's two hours of mayhem. <laughs> and that's what's one of the coolest things about it. We have tried to recreate that. So that's a great point by you. To be athletes for so long, playing at the caliber that you did, I'm sure that kind of scratches that itch for you guys as well. I mean, when people walk away from the sport, they always say it's the thing that they miss the most is that locker room atmosphere. So it's cool that you guys still get that to a degree. It's fun to watch. We try to make it fun. Like I say, we want people to have a good time watching basketball. But I'm going to say this, ain't nothing like playing. Let's get that <laughs> yeah. out the way. There's nothing like playing. I mean, because uh, it, it's such a, an amazing feeling to be, number one, be really, really good at something. But also the people you play against. Like, you know, in my day, it was Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, Patrick Ewing. And when you look at when people talk about the greatest ever, you know, people, first thing they talk about, they're like Michael, Magic, Larry, you know, those probably are the three most important people in NBA history, in my opinion, because Magic and Larry saved the NBA. And then Michael took it to a whole nother level, kind of like Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus in golf. And then you had Tiger who took it to a whole nother level. But man, it's been so amazing. I mean, well, every time I see, I'm watching old footage of these guys, I'm like, yeah, I played against Bird. I played against Magic. I mean, so it, it's, been a, it's been a really crazy, amazing journey. And you hate the debate of Jordan versus LeBron, correct? Because I think it's lazy. I mean, Michael's been retired for 100 years, and why are we trying to worry about him against a guy today? Because that's the one thing you got to understand. A lot of these guys are just, um, they do radio as a friend of mine said, who's a, like a famous radio guy, he says, Charles, my only job is to get these fools to call it an argue for four hours every day. That's my job. And I said, what? He says, dude, that's the way this business works. I got to be on the radio for four hours every day. I just kind of come up with a subject that these fools going to argue with me for four hours. And it's very interesting. And that to me is like, you know, you're going to get the old people calling in to defend Michael. You're going to get all the young kids calling in to defend LeBron or throw some Kobe in there. Then some of the older people are going to throw Kareem in there. But I just think it's lazy. You know, uh, Michael was the greatest I played against. I got a lot of love and respect for LeBron. He's a great, great player and an amazing man. All the stuff he's doing off the court, especially with the, the promise school back in, in Ohio. So uh, I just think it's a lazy debate. Yeah, I tell you, you know, you know, Renee, when I was going, when I was last year, when that 
Last Dance thing came out, I was saying to myself, holy shit, they almost killed Michael back then. And then to see the way the game is played today, well, a kiss on the cheek is a foul. It's like <laughs> it's like night and day what I'm dealing with. I'm like, did y'all just see this dude almost get killed when they were playing the Pistons? I mean, he took him, it took him four years to get past the Pistons. They beat the hell out of him three years before he finally got over the hump. Like I say, LeBron, who's amazing. I mean, you breathe on guys hard today. They're like, that's a foul. I mean, (laughs) but that's just the way it is. How was it for you watching the last dance when it all came out? I mean, that really took the world by storm. And like those early quarantine days, people were like, oh my God, great. We've got something awesome to watch. How was that for you to kind of take a little walk down memory lane? It was always great going down memory lane. So I think I got to like episode five when they beat us for the championship. And I'm like, oh shit, that's a bad memory. But it made me realize how much Michael went through because, you know, a lot of these guys today don't want to compete. They all get together. And that's annoying because I'm one of the old get off my porch guys. I hate to see all these guys play together instead of fighting through like a Dirk Nowitzki did. But to see what Michael went through to get through the Pistons and just no, we got to get better. We got to get better. We got to get better. I wish a lot of these young kids could learn that instead of saying, hey, you know what? No, I need to go and join my friends so we can build these super teams. But it was it was it brought back some great memories, as, at least until I got to like episode five or six when they beat us for the championship. But other than that, it was it was great. It brought back some great memories. Um, OK, so taking things back to Shaq really quickly. What did you think of Shaq stepping inside of a wrestling ring and taking bumps? This man's crazy. That's a perfect word. This dude is crazy. His body probably can't take the abuse today, but with his personality, he's one of the most fun people I've ever been around. First of all, he's a really hardworking dude. I mean, he's on every commercial. Oh my God. What is he not selling right now? It's crazy. It's just a matter of time before we start doing a Depends commercial. It's just a matter of time. (laughs) They got the big bucks over there. Get that Pampers money. I know he's turning 50 sometime in the next couple of weeks, so he's close to the pants. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> but, you know, he's a great businessman. He does a lot of stuff, uh, clearly. Uh, but I could, with his personality, if he really had a want to do it like 25 years ago, he would have been great. He would have been a huge wrestling star, no doubt. I have actually never been so excited in my career we had WrestleMania in Dallas. I was hosting one of the pre-shows like way up in the stadium and, and Shaq came out. I've never hauled ass so fast as I did to run all the way down. I'm like, let me do this interview with Shaq, please. Because I was like dying to see him finally get into a wrestling ring. I thought that we were going to see Shaq in Big Show, which we never got to see that. But we still got to see Shaq. Step- Is he not the biggest human you ever seen in your life? Massive. And I'm around large men all the time, but that's to a different scope. It's crazy. I tell people all the time, I played in the NBA for 16 years, and I played against a Mark Eden, rest in peace, Mutombo, Alonzo Mourning, guys like that. When you see Shaq in person, he's the biggest human being you're ever going to see. And it's no wonder that everyone, like, I feel like people just want Shaq to hold them like a baby. Like, I feel like that's such a thing. Actually, Mark Henry, a big wrestler as well. I know Mark Henry. Mark's the best. I've never had an experience. Like, I was with Mark at South by Southwest, and he is just such a massive human, and people just want to touch him all the time. Yeah, but he, like he, Mark Henry is probably six, seven inches shorter than Shaq. He's much shorter than Shaq, yes. They both got humongous bodies, but <laughs> yeah. Shaq is like six, seven inches taller, yes. 
much bigger, but I've never seen someone deflect humans' hands on their body the way that Mark does in like a very graceful way. He doesn't like make you feel bad about it, but like everyone's trying to hug him, jump on him, and he's just like deflecting people left, right, and center. So I imagine Shaq has to do a very similar thing all the time. No question, Duck, because everybody loves Shaq. Okay, I know that we're running out of time here, but I would like to talk to you about a little bit of romance because you've been married for forever. What's the secret? You guys have been married since 1989. Break it down for all the masses. Give me the goods. Well, number one, I'm gone a lot. That always helps. <laughs> True. Sometimes it does help. I'm like, can you get out of the house? Don't you have a tour to go on? I think the main reason is she excels me flaws and all. The one thing about being in the line, like people only look at the good stuff. It's a lot of crap that goes on behind the scenes. And I used to take it home all the time. I don't want to take it home anymore. Losing is very frustrating. Being a full-time babysitter is very frustrating because that's what it is when you're on a team. Like <laughs> you're plugging holes everywhere. You know, it's a lot of stuff that goes on when you, especially when you're the best player on a team, because you get too much credit and you I'm sure get too much blame. So you're plugging holes all the time. So I think the main thing is she doesn't judge me. She accepts me how I am. She's a great mother. I have learned that I want to be a great father. I want to be a great father. My father passed away a couple of weeks ago and we did not have a great relationship my entire life. We reconciled later in life and became friends, but I really want to be a good father. And I've really worked hard to do that because, listen, it's hard to be gone all the time. And I wouldn't change the thing because it's given me so much in my life, but it's hard. And the thing I always tell people, man, ain't no perfect people out here. I mean, we all got flaws. We all want to do some things differently. And I, I always want, you know, David Carter, the quarterback of the Raiders. I talked about me and Ernie have a podcast. And I write down stuff throughout the week. We got a thing called, first of all, we joke on the show. I say, first of all, multiple times. And I never even get to the second thing. So we, we came up with the, the first part of our show is called, first of all, and I ramble off about, actually, when I was talking about your husband, I ramble off about five or six things that happened in the world I want to talk about. And I was watching uh, television one day. And David Carter, Raiders quarterback, his teammate had just killed that girl in Las Vegas. And he says, guys, I want to pray for that woman's family. I just want to wish them the best. But I tell you what I want to do. I want to have some grace for my teammate. And I said, oh, expand upon that. I'm sitting here watching the TV and like he can hear me. He says, I really feel bad for that young lady but I'm going to give my teammates some grace. He's 100% wrong, but I'm not going to pile on. And I talked about that. I says, I never want to be. And that goes back to all those assholes on the internet we were talking about earlier. I never want to be one of those assholes who pile on. People know when they made mistakes and done things wrong. I want to be the guy like, you know you're wrong. You admitted you were wrong but I want to give you some grace. I want to be that person. That does not mean I'm great, but I never want to be that asshole like, you're down, let me kick you while you're down. I never want to be that person. 
whether I'm on TV, whether I'm Zooming with you, whether I'm on television, my job, or I'm just walking down the street. I don't want to be that person who pile on. That just makes you an asshole, in my opinion. People always just feel the need to say something one way or the other, right? No one can ever just like not say something. If you're going to say something, be positive. But if you're one of those people who just have to be negative, to me, and, 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 I, and I'm, not, I'm not just saying this to you, wait a minute, you're just an asshole. Shut the fuck up or give somebody some positivity. Why do you have to be negative? Somebody's already down. How low of a person do you have to be to really pile on? Don't say it. Just don't say anything. It's just such a cesspool of people wanting to jump on and say negative shit all the time. It's exhausting. And you have to look at yourself in the mirror if you're one of those people like, why did I have to do that? Yeah, I wonder if they ever feel remorse for that or like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I should delete that or not talk about that. I wouldn't, I never, I would never like, oh man, somebody's down. Let me stomp on them. No, that, that just like, no, I, I never want to have that thought press in my mind. I'm with you, Charles. Okay, my last question before I let you go. What was tougher, the dream team practices or the Space Jam pickup games? Wow, that's actually a great question. The only reason it was the dream team is because everybody on the dream team was great. We had a couple guys who were college players on the Space Jam pickups, but everybody on the dream team was a great player. So the answer is the dream team because we probably had 10 to 15 NBA players at Space Jam, but then we had a couple guys who we needed to fill out rosters, but everybody on the dream team was great. So that, that that's the answer. I love that. It's so nice to meet you. I'm so happy that we were able to connect, and I really thoroughly appreciate you taking the time to, to hop on the Sessions podcast with me. Well, no, I really appreciate you reaching out. Give my best to your man. I will. Hopefully, we'll get to meet in person sometime, both of you guys. I'm proud of him. And listen, uh, thanks for reaching out. Y'all take care of yourself and be safe. Happy New Year. What's in the mug? Is that a Christmas mug? It is. So I am kind of a Christmas gal all year long. It's my, my, girl. my dog, Howie, <laughs> who's currently breathing very heavily next to me because I got a thing of yogurt. I've got two drinks and a yogurt. What do you have? I have an iced coffee. So <laughs> I jumped on the pumpkin spice bandwagon already because it just came out yesterday. You're not into it. Is it a pumpkin spice creamer? Is it a is it a flavored coffee? What What are we working with? I don't know that whole thing. I just do... Um, a venti iced coffee, two pumps of pumpkin sauce, two Splenda, and a little oat milk. But I do buy the pumpkin creamer. I like making it better at home. I think that they might have changed their recipe this year. I'm feeling a little underwhelmed with what Starbucks is dropping. It's too much? Is it not enough? Not what enough. are we doing? It's not oh. enough. I know. It's not enough. Are you a coffee drinker? Tea drinker? Like five times a day. The fact I don't have a Crest White Strips uh, endorsement pisses me off because like it, it's a battle with my teeth. And, you know, even just now, I, I, didn't, I hadn't eaten yet. I don't endorse that. I'm an eater. But I just like, like to get up before my husband and the dog. We don't have a kid yet. And I like to do my thing and have a cup of coffee. And then by the time he's out and going to the rink, I'm on my third cup and I'm like, why do I have the shakes? So yeah, I love coffee. And then when football comes around, you know, I pump like two before the game, one at halftime. Yes. And then you're wondering at 2 a.m. when you have a flight at six, why can't I sleep? So yeah, that's the long version. I love it. 
How great are those moments of waking up and nobody else is up yet? And you can just kind of do your shit, take your time, figure out the day. I know. I can't imagine what it's like with a baby as you guys are, are well-versed on, but um, it's It's good. actually I pretty mean, great. It is nice. Yeah. Yeah. You get like those little baby cuddles in the morning Aww. until she starts like tearing everybody a new a-hole, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have, that's what I do with my golden. Like we have special time and where I just look into his dreamy eyes and he just snorts to me and, and all that. So yeah, it's great. It's the best. Love those puppers. Um, did you just get back from Mexico like a second ago? Yeah, we did. But it was really, really a good time. We had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. It looked beautiful. How Do you do that every year before the football season starts to just like have a little R&R? Yeah, we have a place in Montana that we go to probably for about a month out of the, the summer. And then you own a place I, in Montana? Yeah. <gasps> have you been? No, but it is like tippy top of my bucket list. I'm dying have, to go. And your yeah. pictures there also looked like truly from a film. Yeah. So are you a Yellowstone fan? Oh Do you watch God. the show at all? Yeah. yeah all I mean, day, every and, day. Right. And we bought it before that show came out. But then obviously once the show came out, we were like, oh my God, we like have to dress like them. And it's really (laughs) funny. The locals of our town that we live in hate that show because they think it's bullshit. Like they think, you know, it's such a lie. Cabs apparently aren't born that big. You know, there's not like, you know, ranchers as hot as rip. No, I'm kidding. The ranchers in our, our area are really hot, but, um, yeah. So anyways, we go to Montana and then usually right before this season, I like to do a little tequila getaway in Mexico. And then, then it's like, bye babe. See you when I see you. Cause his season starts up. I just read, I think they start up in 41 days and then we start up next week. So it's kind of crazy. He's like skating people right now on the ice and yeah, we kind of go at the same time. Okay. So you're married to Jarrett Stahl, a very nice Canadian man <laughs> who throws down who, by the way, he loved he loved. Is it just Jarrett or is it Canadian? <laughs> he loved it because every one of them, you're like, that's just I Jarrett. Think that's and Jarrett. Yeah. And everybody actually in Montana, because we did that before we were in Montana, and people were like, that was so funny. <laughs> Yeah, yep. he's, he's definitely got some quirks that I don't think that Canada can take the claim over most of those things. Yeah, sorry, Jarrett. Who throws down better, though, a hockey player or a football player when we're talking cocktails? Um, I would have to say hockey players, but um, I will give a little insight and a little shout out to a Southern crew. Uh, we had a chance to hang out with Carissa, who you're friends with as well, mm-hmm. um, and I have become pretty good girlfriends with Kelly Stafford. Matthew Stafford's wife, and uh, they were kind enough to invite us to uh, go to Mexico with them after he had won the Super Bowl. And they have just an awesome group of friends that they went to college with, that they've grown up with. And these are Southern folk. And that's where I am from. Like I am from Florida. These, These folks went to Georgia. They went to Alabama. And uh, the first night that we hung out with this group in Mexico, we got back to our room and Jarrett just said, I've never seen anything like this, like the way, and I was like, you've won two cups. You're from Saskatchewan. I've hung out with your crew before. What are you talking about? But these people are animals in all the right ways. So I would say NHL players, but I would also say that Stafford clan, they're pretty close. And cocktails kind of hit a little bit different when you're like in Mexico as well. It's just, it's a different vibe than when you're throwing them back in Saskatchewan, just like waiting to see what's happening down in Regina. It can definitely be a different vibe. They hit different on this trip. It was unbelievable. We um we found this little patch at the hotel where there was like this street taco truck. 
no one was there. There was kind of a, a business group that was in town the day, the, our very last day, and they were all in the pool. And we were hearing about how Joey sells as many printers and Betsy over here has crushed it in North Carolina. And Jared's like, I want to go before they figure out, you know, your voice and they want to start talking football. Let's go. So we walked down to the beach and there was this street taco truck and it was awesome. We're like, we'll have two pork and a beef and sour cream. And this lady's like, can I get you a margarita? I'm like, yeah, margarita hit perfect. Well, before I know it, I'm slurping down number two. We've got a joke in my family, my mom, God love her. My mom downs her drinks. Like she drinks them like, like, a, like a slurpee. She's so excited. And I apparently did this with my margarita. Next thing I know, we go in the ocean. It is phenomenal. The temps in the 80s, you know, we're in the waves. But then I decide I was going to be fabulous and lay on the sand where the sand meets the ocean. And I'm influencers in the wild all of a sudden. The waves are crashing. My legs are going up over my ass. Like it's at, but I'm just laughing and having so much fun. We sat there for an hour. I walk back up, go to the hammock. I start not hallucinating, but seeing waves. I passed out for an hour and a half. My husband has pictures of me. He's like, the fact you weren't on your phone talking, trying to fit in. He goes, you were so passed out. He basically had to carry me to the room. Two things happened. My foot was torn up from the coral reef that I apparently didn't know was mangling me, but I felt so good that I had no idea my right foot is shredded. And I have the craziest burn all over my body on like, you know, your side boob area oh, that no, never gets so to tender. Yeah. So tender. Love me tender. It is purple. And I, you know, I don't want my dermatologist to ever see it, but I, it was literally one of the best times. Like the next day we went to the street taco place and I said to that lady, I'm like, what did you do to me? But it was awesome. Is there anything worse than seeing a photo that your husband took while you're passed out? We were dying laughing the next morning. Cause we were like, what happened to you? And I was like, I don't know, but that was amazing. And I just said, you know, like, I'm not one that has to worry about paparazzi or any of that. But I was like, if there was any day for them to get me because nobody was at that hotel when we were there. So, you know, we were the most popular ones. That would have been it. My legs flailing in the air, probably my top, you know, like whatever, but it was awesome. One time, John and I, we were flying from Vegas to Jacksonville and I don't fly well. And we were flying private, um, which sounds so bougie. No, it doesn't. Because that flight, you want to fly private. <laughs> you kind of have to. But the reason why, the true reason why we did is because our dog is bougie, our bulldog, and we had to bring him. So I get we're it. like, fuck get it, it, get him a plane. So anyways, mm -hmm. I don't fly well with this. So I popped a Xanax, which I don't normally ever do, but I get super claustrophobic. So I'm like, I have to do this or I'm not going to make it. You might yeah. need to just open the, uh, the exit and let me out. Um, so anyways, I do that. And then I'm like, you know what? I should have, I should have a, a whiskey and a little Diet Coke. With the Xanax? Yes. What are you going in for LASIK surgery as well? I mean, what are you doing? No, I did not know what this combination was going to do to me. And yeah, I was like passed out. My husband, for some reason, he was like, this was, I think, before people were doing that weird trend where they were like throwing cheese on people's face. Oh, I, I don't know that trend. Yeah, people just like throwing like craft singles on people's faces. I don't know. Anyways, oh really horrifying. And I will, and he showed me the pictures after and like, eyes open. Like I was on another planet. I was coping because I had to get to Jacksonville. But anyways, I don't recommend that combination. It's not a good one. Don't do it because you're, yeah, you literally leave planet earth. I pretty much thought that that lady had slipped me something, but I know now <laughs> it was probably just a double. And so I drank two of them and 
I can do and that. And the sun. Carry the yeah. one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. It was great. What is your hangover remedy? Shake Shack, Raising Canes. Oh, Raising Canes. Underrated. Very good. So good, especially in the South. And then as annoying as it sounds, I have to get some sort of a workout in just to like sweat it out just to try to like feel a little bit normal. I mean, it's not going to be one where I'm lifting or like doing a ton of cardio, but just a little bit as annoying as this sounds. And I want to punch my face for saying it, get some movement. But yeah, definitely, definitely like a really, really greasy breakfast. And then followed up with like a Shake Shack Raising Cane situation. I just want to try to kill myself, you know? Yep. I love that. Or like a good like spicy ramen or a pho does it for me as well. Like a good like spicy broth. I find that kind of pops me back to life a little bit too. I'm not a pho girl. I actually have to be honest with you. I wouldn't know how to order pho. (laughs) I don't. How do you – like I don't even know what's good or what I'm getting. So I would just do like – I just do like the lean beef one usually because you can get like the beef balls or you can get it with um, tripe. I don't love tripe. What's – it's tripe. It's, I think it's like intestines or I think it's, I think it's intestines. Anyone that wants to jump on the chat and correct me on that, but I think that's what it is. Um, Yeah, it's, it's like an organ kind of thing and it's like very stringy. But anyways, it can come with that. I just stick to the lean beef. I go kind of like the basic bitch version of pho and it's, it's really, really great. 10 out of 10. It's cow intestines. No, but you don't have to have that. You, you can, that's just like an option because you add the meat in and then it cooks in the broth while you're like mixing it all together. It's like a real concoction. That or a crinkle fry from Shake Shack. I don't yeah, know. Give me a great. Okay, fair enough. Fair, fair, fair. Okay, let's get into um, young Aaron. Growing up with a dad who was a journalist, broadcaster, what are some like nuggets of wisdom that you picked up from your dad along the way as sort of like your first eye-opening experience into like what this world is? Just watching my dad do it and going to meet him at the TV station after he did the six o'clock news. And then, you know, he couldn't come home because he had the 11. We'd go have dinner with him after he finished and stuff like that. So I was definitely used to the routine. I knew the hours. I knew sometimes there would be Thanksgivings where he was home. He wasn't home. If there was a hurricane, that was like the Super Bowl in Florida. My dad had to go cover it. So that was kind of, you know, uh, something that was easy to relate or understand because I just grew up with it. It's crazy because I think it was everything was just instilled in me in such a young age. I probably didn't realize I was learning it, but I know my dad is such an insane hard worker and it was always like his job over everything. Now, not with our family, but he was just so dedicated and married to his job and he did such a great job at it. I think maybe I know my dad's a perfectionist, so I think that's where I kind of get my insane, neurotic, like wanting to do such a good job, having heart palpitations, even till Tuesday, if I screwed up on a Sunday game, Uh, Uh, maybe things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You just feel like you wish you'd go back and, and could redo it. And you think that everybody is just sitting there thinking, God, she's awful. She's lost it. Does that still linger? I mean, obviously it does because you just brought it up. But I mean, for someone that has done this for such a long time and like fully respected in the job and the role that you have, you still get kind of like how do people give you shit for that? You're always going to have your losers on Twitter or Instagram that are making your nose, your voice comments. You suck. Like so-and-so's way better. Look at my favorite on Instagram is where people, you know, and good for them. They're trying to pump up the next big thing or next young thing. And good for them. They're always like, look out, Aaron Andrews. So-and-so is coming. And I want to be like, good. (laughs) 
take it. I'm tired. Come on in. I'll tag you in. Look out. And I always want to be like, where am I looking? What am I looking at? Uh, no, it's just funny. <laughs> like, it, it's like, all right. I was like, good. Oh my gosh. You know, here we go. But yeah, no, I do. But I think I'm my worst critic, my I'm my hardest, you know, toughest judge, toughest critic. And because you just, you always want people to believe that you belong. And maybe I just cracked something with myself. Dr. Phil moment. Do I believe I belong? I love a bout of imposter syndrome. I love it. I love it. It's actually a very fascinating thing. And it's funny to me that it just doesn't go away. It's like, it just kind of lingers and it'll kind of rear its ugly head every now and then when I'm like, oh my, I don't know what I'm doing. I never have claimed to know what I'm doing. <laughs> oh my God. But it's funny that you still get that. I mean, you've been doing this for so long and you've been so respected for what you do. So, I mean, it's kind of comforting to me to know that it also affects you. <laughs> it does. And I, I had an athlete one time and we were just talking about Twitter and, and Twitter doesn't kill me as much as it used to. I, I, I just think it's like the people with the preconceived notions. There's still some writers that love to just attack me and, and things like that. And I, I know if they had a couple of drinks with me and they listened to the real me, I know that they would like me. And I have this weird obsession with wanting people to do that. But I remember sitting and talking with an athlete one time and he was saying, you could have a stadium full of a hundred thousand people cheering for you. And you see that one tweet and it just ruins your day. And I'm like, how psycho are we that we actually care about that? Really? Why do we care about the guy with the cat avatar who is just, you know, crushing our voices? And it's like, how's your mom? You know, ask her to feed you your dinner because she's doing it. Anywho. Go touch some grass, get outside. No, I know. And it, it is a it's so weird that it like picks that like whatever weird deep scab that we have that we're like, how dare you call me out on this like dumb thing? Whether it's something that like kind of does resonate as like a little bit true or like some kind of insecurity that like I have. Yeah, it's very, very frustrating. And I wish that I could just like log off. I actually feel like I've done a good job over the years of like blocking and muting people that I don't see much of it anymore. Blocking and muting is fun. I actually really enjoy it. And like the quality filters as well. You can like What's really- that? I, I did it like years ago. Um, I can't remember exactly. Like you can go in on Twitter and there's like a quality filter thing that just kind of gets people that are like swearing a lot or that like message you a bunch of like random stuff or like- um. The like people just like keep making different accounts and stuff. Who has the time? Who has the who time? Has? Who know, who can remember all the passwords? Uh, oh my God. I thought I lost my phone yesterday and we just got to an Airbnb and I was like, I don't know how we're going to get in there because I'm not going to be able to log into my email on John's phone because I don't know my fucking passwords. I don't know any of them. I need to like face ID it. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. But otherwise, no, I could never. What was like bad Aaron like did you ever get into like trouble as a kid did you have like trouble I years? mean nothing with like drinking or acting out or like staying out with boys or any, I I didn't do that at all which basically I was a square um but you know my biggest thing and I I feel bad for it now and I know I will as a kid I just was sassy and so that was kind of like the thing for my parents like they would hold a over us. I was very into dance and I never fought with my sister. It's just my sister and I, and we were always super tight. But if I ever sassed my mom or ever got in a fight with my sister, and we're talking about getting in fights about the hairbrush, you took the hairbrush, where's the hairbrush? Like things like that. My mom and dad would take away dance class from us. And you would swear that was like the worst thing. I did one time get in really big trouble in high school for sassing my dad back. And I said a 
naughty, naughty word to him as he left the room and he heard me and he turned around and he knocked on the door and he said, what did you say? And I said, I'm sorry. And he took my car away for a couple of days, which sucked. But the biggest thing he told me I couldn't do was watch television. And that's when the Phoenix Suns were in the NBA finals. I was obsessed with Charles Barkley. They were playing the Chicago Bulls. And my dad knew that would rip my heart out. And the final game, I think John Paxson, that he shot the game winning shot. I had to go listen in the radio of my car. I snuck it to listen because I wanted to hear the game so bad. And that was like life or death for me. Hey, the passions are the passions. How has your fashion progressed over the years from like being on TV, doing sidelines, getting into like great winter wear, love a good jacket, um, but how have things progressed for you over the years? I would say that fashion is not my strong suit whatsoever. I am very grateful to have had the opportunity to work with awesome people who do it for a living and are way better than I am. Um, You know, when I was dressing myself, and that's really what I you can do when you first start what you can afford to do. um, I would hit well, let's let's put it this way. My first job out of college, Tampa Bay Lightning, I was hitting up Express and Limited. I had these I had a couple of these limited no express tops I thought were so hot you know the body looked tight numb it was like the turtleneck like sleeveless top and then when I got hired by ESPN you'd see that every weekend I was like oh I look so good in this um I remember when I worked game seven my husband gives me a hard time for this game seven of the 2004 Stanley Cup finals with the Tampa Bay Lightning and Calgary Flames I saw a bright green like sweater, a quarter length sweater top in the front row of Ann Taylor at the West Shore Mall in Tampa with my mom and dad. And I'm like, that's the one. And my husband called me the green machine whenever he sees like the recaps of it. You know what is the biggest thing? And I, I would always try to tell young girls this, just keep it simple and crisp and fabulous and you're good. But I mean, again, I, this is something I'm very lucky to have people that help me with this because Lord knows I can't do it on my own. I would go really kind of all over the place, but it's different in WWE because it's so loud. It's like, give me the sparkles, give me the sequence, give me the fringe, give me all that shit. And I did love having fun with that, but it's so funny being like removed from that now. I'll like walk by my closet. I'm like, the fuck is this? Where was I wearing this? (laughs) But that was so your vibe. And that was so what your, I think, your atmosphere, your audience wanted to see. One of the biggest things that I still struggle with now, and my girlfriend dresses me and and she's working with Carissa as well, is that I get so stuck in what I think is the right thing to wear. I do believe you are allowed to have style and fashion and show you are a woman and you love sports. But for so long, when I first started, I mean, I remember I wore a dress on Monday Night Baseball and a local Chicago writer wrote an article about it. Like, are you kidding me? By the way, if he did that now, think of all the backlash. Are you kidding me? Are There's you no kidding me? There's no way you could do that now. Yeah. I had a boss back in the day that complained that I wore a skirt down to my knees because it was hot as hell. And I knew if I wore pants, I'd sweat through them. The skirt was down to my knees. I'm 5'10", by the way. So that's a long skirt. That, by the way, is a maxi for some people, a maxi dress. <laughs> a long yeah. skirt, a tank top that wasn't even revealing at all. And a headband to keep like my hair out of my eyes. That's when headbands were hot. And she was like, I think you're trying to look like Alice in Wonderland. What are you doing? Can you imagine if they said that now? 
I, I do believe like 44 years old, you are allowed to show like, hey, I'm a female, you know, I work hard on my body. Oh, by the way, I love X's and O's and I'm a tomboy. So I do kind of struggle with that. Yeah, it really is such a fine line of like, hey, I want you to respect me. Also, I'm here. I have the job. I'm the person that got the job and I'm right for the job. But also let me have like a little fun with what this looks supposed to be. And don't think that I'm trying to have some kind of like ulterior motive from wearing this other outfit. I'm grateful it has evolved because definitely back in the day when I started, I remember a couple of executives making a few comments. I remember writers making, I wore a yellow dress and this guy ripped me apart from it for it. And I just thought, my God, if this happened now, I mean, this guy would lose his job. Like you just can't speak that way to women anymore. So, and thank goodness, right? I remember when I first started at WWE and I was like really trying to figure out where I was like, hey, if I wear something super simple and basic, which is not really my vibe anyways, but you're standing next to these like very larger than life characters, you become like really mousy and it just doesn't work. So as I'm like trying to figure that out, but I would wear these like blouses, but I would do them all the way up to the top. But as like sort of like that more like, I don't even know what to call it, but it was it was a choice. It was a choice. It wasn't on like the conservative side of doing that, but I was like, oh, it just seems kind of cool. I want to button it all the way up. And they're like, you look like a nerd. You cannot wear I was constantly having to like battle. I'm like, just let me wear this. I'm telling you like this will look cool and this will be fine. But you win and lose some. It's It can definitely be, uh, yeah, some ups and downs with that. Aren't you jealous now though? Because And I'm, and I'm jealous in a great way. I'm, I'm grateful for these women that, uh, you know, can go out there and, and wear what they're wearing and be so confident about it because it was difficult. It was so, de- what about for you? Yeah. Are you jealous about it? But in a good way. Yeah. In like a good way where it's like, oh my God, cool. I see what you're doing. And I love that. Like, it's not even just like within the world of broadcasting, within sports, but it's just like the world in general is so much more open to like, oh my God, like nothing, you can't buy anything that's not a crop top these days. Like everything's a crop top, everything's revealing. And like, it's funny, I feel like such a prude now because I'm like, oh my God, I don't, I do, I don't really want to show off my stomach right now. Or how high can I get these pants if I'm going to wear this crop top? Like, can we, I, I'm okay with like an inch or two, but do I need my belly button showing? I can confirm to you, I do not. I do not need that out there. Um, But no, it is, yeah, when I see what some of the girls can like wear and like how much the game has like evolved. God, when I think of when I first got into like broadcasting, like, holy shit. Yeah, thank God for stylists, right? Thank God they exist. Yeah, and again, that sounds so, you know, bougie and and whatever. I, for many years of my career, I did not have one and um, you could tell. But um, I just, yeah, I need one because I can't do it on my own. Also, too, a lot of the times, I mean, I I was doing two games a week and a feature. I didn't know what side was up and what side was down. I didn't know what was clean or what was cool. So I uh, very much needed one to just be like, okay, you are going to wear this today and we are going to alter this today because I couldn't do it on, on my own. And I still think it's funny that I am um, apologizing for having a stylist. Do you know how many men in our industry have them? So it's like little things like that. You you don't want to sound like a bitch for doing it, but you also are like, wait, all the guys on NFL pregame on Fox have a stylist. 
totally. And it's, it's a presentation of the whole thing. And when you're on television, it's not a matter of being bougie. It's like things that you don't even think about of like, especially if you're on like a panel show, everyone's going to like kind of have something that matches or you want to kind of be on the same page in terms of like what level of like formality we're doing or casualness, all that stuff that we don't always think about. And it's, we certainly aren't communicating with each other about like, what are you wearing on this show? It doesn't really work that way. Um, let's talk a little where by Aaron Andrews, because you've changed the game when it comes to like clothing for women in sports that aren't just like pink and like vajazzled. You've <laughs> like made them so cute. When did this all kind of come together? You're like, this needs to change. Thank you for saying all that. You know, when I was working for college game day with ESPN, I obviously would get to go to all these different colleges and all these different areas. And even with, you know, working with the NFL on Fox, same thing. And you just kind of see what women are wearing and you kind of take note of it, what's offered in pro shops, what's not. And then having a husband that played professional hockey, you know, I would have to go buy Christmas presents for girls and guys of our families. And, and I would see in pro shops, okay, the men have four walls of stuff and the girls have two walls and half of them are jerseys. Like, where's the style? There is such a white space here. So I was working um, for the NFL at a Super Bowl in San Francisco. I was asked to kind of hold a chalk talk for women and uh, they wanted me to wear their NFL kind of clothing while I was doing it. And my stylist, I just got, I said, God, what am I going to wear? I don't really like any of this stuff. So uh, we put an outfit together and went to dinner that night. And I just kind of obviously started having some drinks. And I was like, we got to do this. We got to figure this out. I got the reach. I've seen this stuff. I am passionate about it. This happened for about five or six years. I was knocking on people's doors. I was begging them to give me a chance. I was telling them how passionate I was about the whole thing. I was like, I'm your girl. I'm going to these stadiums. I'm touching the fans. I'm talking to them. I'm your person. And it was so funny, you know, I, I don't really ever get on a soapbox about being a woman, but I was always hearing two things from these big execs. There is a need for better women's team apparel. We just haven't figured out how to do it. And are you really going to get behind it? Because do you know how many celebrities really want to do it, but they don't really want to get behind it? I'm like, well, then you don't know me because I'm a psycho. If I believe in something, I'll be like knocking down everybody's door. Finally, and luckily, Fanatics gave us a shot. We did a really soft launch. They threw us right into the deep end with the NFL. We came up with a small collection. I think we had eight or nine pieces. We crushed it. And I was so grateful for all the athletes. I was gifting them for their wives, their girlfriends, their moms, whoever I could get you know, in their hands. And people were so phenomenal about it. And now we carry all the leagues. We just announced we have MLB and that's freaking awesome. And I'm so excited about it. And we're looking to expand more and more. But yeah, it has been such an interesting journey. Year two, we had to deal with COVID. So that was super hard. You know, year four, are we dealing with a recession? Are we not? It's been a lot of challenges, things I never thought, you know, go into this line of work, but it's also been so awesome. And I'm, I'm really proud of what we're pumping out. It's only gotten better and better every year. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there, and you can see us talking 
having this interview, having a hangout, it's all up on there. Um, and that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know. Jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, we like filtering through them all, reading about them. Maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions.